0: As we've been uh, looking at for a number of weeks now our identity in Christ as new creation impacts all of our life our life in our families as well as in our marriages and our, at our work and even as we live in culture and today our focus is on being a new creation in Christ and how it impacts our relationships within our families let us pray God our Father we thank you for the family thank you that We not only have individual families and a lineage that goes back through the generations, but we're also part of your family. And Father, I pray that as we consider these words that that we would see the the principles, the design that you have given for our families impacts not only our families, our immediate families, but also being a part of your family enable us Lord to see that you call us to obedience and Lord also call us to see that you call us to the great task of disciple making and especially in the family we pray and ask all of these things in Jesus name amen two passages of scripture both brief Colossians 3 20 through 21 children obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord fathers do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. And then Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Thus far the word of God. You may be seated. The Apostle Paul here applies his teaching that spans all the way back to chapter 1, verse 1, through chapter 3, verse 17, where his concern is that believers will walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him as a new creation in Christ. And so he applies his teaching. He applied it to marriage, and now he applies it to the relationships Within families, we read about this in both of our passages today. So the question before us is how parents and children are to behave in the family, given that they are new creations in Christ Jesus. And so we'll look at both Colossians three, which is our home-based text, but also the companion text in Ephesians four, as we uh, Ephesians six one through four, as we seek to explore this question about how to live as new creations in the family. So our family over the years, we've taken family portraits, as I'm sure you have done as well. And one of my favorite portraits of my family was taken when our three children were in their teenage years or thereabouts. It was in our front yard and there are the five of us were in this photograph. I'm not sure if our dog, Ranger, was part of that portrait or not. But that portrait, as I look at it now years later, reminds me of our relationships as a family then and how they have changed and matured over the years as our children are now adult children married. And so we're reminded of our relationships as we look at the portraits Of our family. And God does a similar thing in our text today. He he paints for us using his commands, his words, his design, his portrait of what the family relationships are to fundamentally be. And his depiction of the family points to children who obey. And parents who see their role as the chief disciples of their children and we see these principles both in the Colossians 3 passage as well as in the Ephesians 6 passage obedient children and disciple making parents you'll see these two points on your sermon outline But that's what we'll be covering today. So God's portrait of the family depicts first children who obey God in every way. But one of those ways that children obey God is by obeying their parents, submitting to their parents' authority. And we find four reasons for children to submit to their parents' authority in our two texts this morning, Colossians 3 and also Ephesians 6. And first, children are to obey their parents. The text says in Colossians 3, uh, uh, Colossians 3 and verse 20, for this pleases the Lord. Every child, and I think even every adult child, knows that deep desire inside where we want to please our parents. We want to be affirmed by them. We want to hear them say, I am pleased with you. The question for us this morning is what pleases our Heavenly Father? And our text tells us the Heavenly Father is pleased with children. In fact, all of his children obeying parents, all of his children obeying him. And as children obey their parents, that pleases God. And that is one of the chief ways children obey God. And so obedience pleases our Heavenly Father. Obedience also pleases earthly parents, right? This may be one of the favorite passages of every parent. Children obey. (laughs) But it is pleasing to the lord and we need to be careful that we don't view obedience one-dimensional obedience outwardly is necessary we need to obey the ten commandments for example we need to obey the commands of god we need to obey our parents instructions but obedience first and foremost obedience fundamentally is a matter of heart we obey from the heart and in a passage that deals with god rejecting king saul we find these words in first samuel 15:22 has the lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices That is, does the Lord have as great delight in the external acts of piety? As in obeying the voice of the Lord, behold, to obey, that is, to obey from the heart is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. In other words, what pleases God is not just simply going through the motions and outward conformity, but but it's actually obeying him out of love for him. Children walking in a manner worthy of the Lord as a new creation means submitting themselves to the authority of their parents. Obedience. Second, children are to obey their parents because it's right. We see this in Ephesians 6 and verse 1. It's practically right in every culture for employees to submit to their employer's authority, for a student to submit to his or her teacher's authority. And as we considered last, the last couple of weeks, for a wife to be under the authority of her husband. Now, this, can be, this is a debated matter in many parts, in many cultures. But the fact of the matter, that is the way God created things. And so it is also right for a child to be under the authority of his or her parents. It's it's right for children to obey God because he has instituted these authority structures as part of his providential work in creation. It is the natural order of things is another way to put it. It is right for children to obey because God has commanded obedience in his moral law it is right because it is written we'll we'll look at this under the third point in just a moment but I wanted to see that both the the natural law of God the, the just the natural order in which God has created things this authority structure that he has embedded in creation as well as his moral law his direct commands that are written not only down on paper but also written both the natural law as well as the moral law written upon the heart of every human being, it is right in both cases for children to obey their parents' authority. And so here's a point that I want to make to all of you who are in the category of children here today. And by the way, this this really does apply to all of us, not just our young people. But when children rebel against their parents' authority, they are challenging the natural order (laughs) of God's creation as well as rebelling against his moral law. And children it would be well for you to consider the gravity of your rebellion. Your big problem is not that you've rebelled against mom and dad, but that you've rebelled against the creator of the universe, holy God. And we would do well to consider any offense, any rebellion as adults, as being first and foremost against God. Third, children, obey your parents. Word is right because it is written. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 2 through 3. Here are 10 commandments that are written the 10 commandments of the property laws of toddlers. If I like it, it's mine. Law one. Law two. If it's in my hand, it's mine. Law three. If I can take it from you, it's mine. Law four. If I had it a little while ago, it's mine. Law five. If it's mine, it must never appear to be yours. Number six, if I'm doing or building something, all pieces are mine. Number seven, if it looks just like mine, it's mine. Number eight, if I saw it first, it's mine. Number nine, if you are playing with something, And you put it down, it's automatically mine. And number 10, if it's broken, it's yours. But God has written His Ten Commandments upon our hearts as well as through His written Word. He has revealed His Ten Commandments inwardly and through writing them down through his authoritative prophets the first the fifth commandment exodus 20 and verse 12 is also recorded in deuteronomy 6 or deuteronomy 5 and verse 16 is quoted in ephesians 6 2 and 3 god has commanded children to honor parental authority and he's also commanded all children to honor their parents to honor means more than just simply obeying outwardly to conforming that's helpful and it does include that but it's more specific to a heart attitude of loving of respecting of reverencing the parent Children must outwardly obey, but even more, they must obey from their heart is another way to state it. Ultimately, honoring one's parents reflects a heart that honors God, the one who established that which is written and who designed the family. Paul mentions, interestingly enough, in, in Ephesians chapter six, verse two, that the fifth commandment, "Honor your father and mother," is the first commandment with a promise. But if we read Exodus twenty and verse six, we, we see that there's actually a promise annexed to the second commandment. Is Paul wrong? No, he's not wrong. He's just simply using that phrase in Ephesians six two as the a, a promise in the fifth commandment is the foremost command with a promise dealing with social relationships, kind of that second. Part of the of the ten commandments first my relationship to God love for God and then love for others and so verse three speaks of the fact that this promise has physical and practical benefit to the child the promise is not hey I will have what I want if if I obey but rather that God's laws are a blessing and one will be greatly benefited by obeying them so for example if I obey the command do not covet and I covet and I steal and I get caught then I may very well be prosecuted I may very well uh, go to jail but I if I obey and turn from coveting, I won't have to worry about the police Coming after me, it's a practical. the, The fact is that obeying God's law, that there are practical blessings that attend to them, wherein the ten laws of a toddler, those property laws, ultimately result in heartache, and separation, and dysfunction. Yet God's ten commandments are for blessing. The deeper issue with obedience, as I have said, is not outward conformity, but the inward heart. Jesus rebuked the Pharisees when they focused on external, outward obedience. In Matthew 23, 6, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the inside of the cup, and the plate but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence you blind Pharisees first clean the inside of the cup and plate that the outside also may be clean children and I would also say adults as we consider our relationship with our heavenly father children if you are struggling to obey your parents to honor them as it is pleasing to God as it is right just the natural order of things and as it is written as it is commanded by God the problem is likely your heart ask God to give you a heart first and foremost that honors him the Lord that you might honor your parents and obey them from a heart that honors God. The the, the issues of the Christian life in large measure, child, parent, believer, it's a heart issue. Fourth, children obey for it not only pleases God, it's not only right because it is written, but it's also obedience in the Lord. The, the child's obedience is in Christ if it if it flows from a heart that loves and honors Christ, a heart filled with the love of Christ received through faith, a heart that embraces God's truth. So Proverbs 4:20 20 and 23. States this, my son, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, let them not escape your sight, keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and healing to all their flesh, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life, Through, from it flows the spring of life, your obedience is to flow From a heart that is filled with the the gracious work of God. The heart, the springs of life, says Proverbs. True obedience is in Christ. And therefore it flows from one's saving relationship with Christ. It flows from a transformed heart. Full of Christ. And his love. Children, God's portrait of the family depicts children who are new creations in Christ who turn to him in faith and repentance and because of union with Christ and saving faith walk worthy of the Lord fully pleasing to him in obedience to their parents. The question for you children Have you turned from sin and turned to Christ in faith? Simply put, are you a Christian? Talk to your parents. For this is the most important question that you will ever ask and have answered. It could be that your struggle with obeying your parents, it could be our struggle as adults with obeying God, is due to a heart that is cold, towards Jesus so God's design for the family is first obedient children that pleases him obedience is right because it is written obedience is to be in the Lord a function of one's transformed heart united to Christ in saving faith but secondly God's design for the family is parents, who are also united to Christ in saving faith, seeing their chief role in the family as making disciples of their children with a focus on their child's heart. Ephesians 6, 4, we we, we find Paul sets a boundary here. For the parents' role as disciple-maker, and then he describes... How they should go about being disciple makers of their children so we'll look at those two things but before we do I have an illustration Uh, this this story may be a little outdated now fathers go into the the delivery room so just take this for what it is a story from days gone by there are a group of expectant fathers in this waiting room while their wives were back in the labor and delivery room having uh, babies. And so a nurse comes in and announces that uh, one man's wife had uh, just given birth to twins. And the man said, this is a coincidence. I play for the Minnesota Twins. A few minutes later, another nurse came in, and she also announced that uh, this this husband's wife had just given birth to triplets, and he said, I am amazed. I work for the 3M company. All of a sudden, the third expectant father just fell flat out on the floor, and the rest of the guys in, in the room came a- around him and said, are, are you okay? Is there anything wrong? He said, No. No. I'm, I'm fine, I'm, I'm not ill, I just happen to work for the 7-Up company <laughs> parents the birth of one child is overwhelming it's overwhelming enough but the task only becomes more so when you actually get into the day to day aspects of parenting your children at each stage of parenting, infants to adults, and we never really stop being parents in, in many respects, and so this really does have broad applications. Obviously, the parent-child relationship changes dramatically when our children become adult children, but let me say that, that, the, that the heart of the parent doesn't change. There is still that. That love and concern and desire for our children, young children, adult children, to walk with the Lord, it never goes away. And that desire happens to be uh, transmitted through the process of becoming grandparents, <laughs> it never goes away. And so, Parents are blessed with children. Parents suffer struggles with their children. Parenting is hard work. Parenting is frustrating work. Parenting is often scary work. Parenting is sanctifying work. Sanctifying to the parent for the most part. But most of all, it's a noble task. It is a God-given task. It is a privilege to be called by God to be the the chief discipler of your children. To be God's chief means for children and we could even say grandchildren to be engaged with the love of Jesus, to be engaged with biblical truth. To have truth pressed in to them. How are parents to go about this task? First, as I said, a boundary. Look at Ephesians 6:4. It's also in Colossians 3:21. Fathers. And we can add mothers here. We'll see this as a parenting team. Fathers and mothers do not provoke your children to anger. And this simply means do not misuse your authority and foster an angry response in your child. So just a couple of quotes that might help us see what misuse of our authority that would that would provoke our children might look like. Dr. Hendrickson lists overprotection, favoritism, discouragement, failure to allow our child to be on a learning curve, neglect, bitter words, or even physical cruelty. Dr. Stott wrote this, what we do know is that parents can easily misuse their authority either by making irritating or unreasonable demands which make no allowance for the inexperience and immaturity of children or by harshness and cruelty at one extreme or by favoritism and overindulgence on the other or by humiliating or suppressing them or by those two vindictive weapons, sarcasm and ridicule. Stott's words penetrate the heart, don't they? And then Dr. Doriani, he actually notes three dysfunctional types of parenting. There's the dominant parenting, justice without love. Secondly, neglectful parenting. No love, no justice. Indulgent parenting, love, without justice. There are many ways you know, parents may provoke their children. And we can even we can provoke our children through that dominant model, that neglectful model, or that indulgent model. As was the case with children, parents also need to turn to their hearts and to ask, am I parenting in the Lord? Is my parenting an overflow of my transformed heart that is full of the love of Christ? So that's how we might provoke our children. Now, how are parents to fulfill their role as making disciples of their children? Again, Doriani speaks of a fourth model he, he entitles this model, the godly parent, where you see a balance of love and justice. Both are there, and they interact together. They're not separate. They're together, coordinated. This godly parenting model is taught in verse 4. Parents are not to provoke their children in No justice and no love, really, is what that boils down to. But they are to nourish their children. They are to discipline them, as our text says. They are to instruct them, as our text says. They are to nourish them, to love them, and to bring about justice in them and with them. To bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord is what our text tells us in Ephesians 6. And Ephesians 6.4 is about both love and justice in parenting. Let, let's look at, at the discipline of the Lord. This is what our text, what Paul calls parents to do as disciple makers. Parents are called to discipline in, in, in such a way that the discipline does not It's not a misuse of their authority, but brings about true biblical justice and love. And as is the case with us, with every believer, discipline is essential. Discipline is essential in the home, in the family. And parents who fail to discipline are unfaithful. Proverbs 13, 24, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Strong words, but true words. Hebrews 12, 5 through 8. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives it is for discipline that you have to endure god is treating you as sons for what son is there whom his father does not discipline if you are left without discipline in which all have participated then you are illegitimate children and not sons again strong words Where God teaches about his discipline of his children. And and the illustration is an earthly father disciplining his son or daughter. Discipline is for training children to examine their hearts. That by God's grace they may break those sinful. Break that sinful will. And come to the place of actually hating sin. To turn from it to turn and love and serve Christ. Children need godly parents who will keep discipling them by disciplining them that their hearts might be over and over and over again turned from sin to Christ. Parents never give up nurturing by godly discipline. Never give up loving your child and bringing justice in that child's life through discipline and a word about prayer with regards to discipline paul tripp speaks of the importance of of, of parents praying for the state of their child's heart the state of every child's heart the state of our heart naturally is set against christ We, we we too often desire for our children to outwardly obey us just conform to what Pick up your clothes. Do not cross the street without looking. We so desperately want our child to conform to our commands, as they should. But in so doing, it is really easy to overlook the more important matter of the heart. That parents should be in prayer for their child's heart that is naturally set against Christ, that they would see their sin, that they would repent of it, and that they would flee to Christ. Prayer for our children's heart is essential in disciple-making of our children. And by the way, prayer for our own hearts is essential in being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Parents, never give up discipling your children with a focus a prayer focus on their hearts. And then with regards to instruction. It's also part of being a disciple-making parent, a, a nurturing parent. The, the, the topic of, of parents instructing their children may mean many things, but first and foremost, it means engaging our children with God's word that they might have a heart for God. In the passage J.C. read, that there we're called to love God, to have a heart for God, and then to pass that on to our children by teaching them to love God and to have a heart for God. If I had to give one job description for being a parent, it is being committed to instructing your children in the word of God that they might have a heart for God. that they may understand the truths of God's word and faithfully apply those truths to living. That's wisdom. Instruction takes place formally as parents instruct in the home, teach the catechism, have family devotionals. It takes place here at church as parents are committed to to demonstrating the importance of religion and church by being at church. Church decline is not because of the pandemic. Church attendance was declining before then And some have said that the decline in church are people treating religion in church as something that's optional, just a tool to help them find their authentic self. And if church doesn't do that, then they'll go otherwise. And in some of the reading I've done, the chief way to stand against that trend is for parents to model the importance of church because it is a command and it is essential for faith and for living. That is for parents to model coming to church, being in Sunday school, sitting under the teaching of God's word, being a part of the corporate body, being a part of worship. Instruction takes place formally in the home. Instruction takes place formally in the church instruction takes place informally as parents and children go about their relationship Ramie was really good with the kids who was con- she was constantly challenging them with things that they might have seen in a movie or heard on the radio and you're know, basically drilling them uh, with regards to you know how does this stack up to god's word that's informal the, the passage jc read Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way. And when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates, parents, parents, Make disciples of your children by instructing them in the word of God, formally, informally. It's it's a way of life. Don't neglect church and don't neglect the school of Christ in the home. Children are bombarded with so many untruthful messages in our culture. They need godly parents to keep speaking truth into their lives. Parents never give up nourishing by godly instruction, focused on the heart. So God's design is for parents to walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him as a new creation in Christ by being the chief disciple maker of their children, balancing love and justice. We cherish our family portraits over the years. They depict our family even more we value this portrait that God has painted of the family, his design for family relationships, children who obey by God's grace, who are new creations in Christ, and they walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to the Lord by obeying him, by obeying their parents. And then parents who by God's grace are new creations in Christ who walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him by discipling their children. Love and justice for the purpose of that child having a heart for God. May we walk in a manner worthy of the Lord as new creations in the family. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is true, is relevant for every generation. Thank you, Father, that your word is eternal. It never fails. Thank you, Father, that by grace we're able to embrace it and by grace to live by it. And so do that for the family here today, for the the fathers and the children, for the mothers and the children, and even these principles being applied to all of us here as part of your family, that we would seek to be obedient and that we would seek to be disciple makers, balancing love and justice, instructing in the word of God that we all may have a heart for you, O God, that we might love you and serve you. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.